Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Today we are joined by our special guest, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Good. It's yeah. a little rainy down here, but otherwise pretty good, man. Uh, where are you from, Kevin? You know what? It's a, it's a, I live in Connecticut. We're getting probably the same weather you guys are getting over there right now. Yeah, probably. What do you get? Are you guys like six hours away from us driving? Mm. Uh I think it's I think it's closer to five. Yeah, it's closer to five. Like if you're going through the city, mm-hmm. like um, where in Connecticut? Uh, just north of New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, okay, nice. All right. And uh, when were you first introduced to recovery? Uh, let's see. My well, my first time in treatment, I was a maybe sixteen or seventeen years old. So this was uh, two thousand three, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they brought us, you know. Well, that that's the first time I I realized that uh, you know something had to change. It's definitely I, I definitely didn't make any big changes, but that's the first time I was introduced to the to the the world of recovery. All right. And uh, how much uh, clean or sober time do you have? Um, God willing, next month we'll have three years. Nice. All right. Congratu- um, yeah. Congratulations, yeah. man. Um, and with all, the, with all that out of the way, we're going to turn it over to you to share your story with us, man. Cool. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll just go into it. I live in Connecticut right now. Um, my, uh, I grew up out in California though, out in uh, Southern California. Oh, nice. Um, that's where, that's where I, uh, I kicked everything off. I was, um, went out there when my parents split up at about four years old with my mom mm-hmm. and my sisters. And, um, let's see, I was always like, I just remember always being, uh, I would say a a fearful youth, you know, like I never really wanted to get into trouble. So, uh, you know, I would, I I would, uh, the only way that I would act out like in, in younger years, elementary school would be like, you know, class clown type stuff and and things that you couldn't get into much trouble for. Mm -hmm. Um, I would definitely say I was uh, I was a follower of the kids in the neighborhood mm. and um, kind of would, would would follow whatever trend was going on, you know, switching from skateboarding to rollerblading and, you know, just doing yeah. whatever the neighborhood kids were doing. And I remember even like like really young elementary school, like whenever uh, the kids in the neighborhood were doing something that was like really bad. I remember uh, one example would be there was some machinery. They were building a supermarket like uh, next to my apartment complex and the construction guys left the keys inside the equipment. So my buddies went over and started the equipment, started driving it around. And, That's and, awesome. uh, and, and I remember they, they, <laughs> they came back right after they did it and they were, they were telling me about it. And uh, I was like, why didn't you tell me? And they were like, well, you, we, we, we knew you wouldn't have wanted to do it. We knew you would have, you would have, uh, you know, tried to talk us out of it, you know, but I still had FOMO, you know, in my head, I was like, I would have done it if they were doing it, you know, but, uh, yeah. um, always that fear of like, I, where's, the, where's everyone at? What's everyone doing? You know, yeah. um, especially the kids that I looked up to, yeah. um, as I, as I got a little bit older, the kids that I looked up to were the ones that were, uh, that were, you know, partying yeah. and, um, and drinking and smoking weed and, and, um, in high school, I was, uh, a lot of people started like super young, you know, I, oh, yeah. uh, I didn't really kick off, kick off my career until, uh, until I was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, might've been the summer before freshman year. 
And my buddy's mom was out of town. I remember my first uh, actually getting really drunk. Um, what was your first was, drink? It was some nasty vodka. Who knows? It was, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> some nasty vodka. And, uh, and you know, of course, I, I was I was a little smaller than everyone else. I always looked a little bit younger, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I, I remember um, I remember that feeling though when I when I got you know I, I drank a lot uh, that mm-hmm. that first time, and and that was pretty much you know how my drinking career was uh, after that. But I didn't drink. I never drank because I enjoyed the the taste a bit. Man, I just drank to get drunk. Oh, of course. Um, but I I remember I drank like a a cup full of the vodka and, um, and, and, you know, almost, you know, a minute later, you know, I, I got, you know, what what so many people talk about, man, I was like, wow. My my stomach just turned a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know mine too. Right. And it's it's so many years later, but you know, I I just felt like the life of the party and I felt like Mm -hmm. I was cool and I felt like I was accepted and I was like, yeah, that girl's definitely looking at me now, you know, (laughs) even if she wasn't before. And, uh, and of course, you know, that, that very first time I, I passed that threshold. I, I never had that, uh, for not too long anyway, that, that, that comfortable spot where I had a nice buzz going on and I could kind of carry about my business and maintain it throughout the night because I think I drank another cup. Yeah. I I drank another cup because I was like, I like this feeling so much. Let's see if we can double it. You know, that didn't (laughs) didn't pan out, you know, and I have this like mental image of, of, of myself and my buddy's mom had this big dining room table with a glass cover over it. And I was (laughs) laying face down on it and, and I threw up, and it just cascaded across, and you could oh. see it like dripping down the. It was, oh. it was an image that I, I mean, I. And then that girl was no longer looking at you. <laughs> and that girl was no longer exactly. Uh, she she didn't she didn't find me as cool anymore. No. Um, but <laughs> but you know that that started the the cycle of um, you know the the kids that I wanted to hang out with and were. Uh, they were like the stoners in high school. And, um, and you know, I had a, I had a lot of friends, um, none too close though. I kind of group hopped a little bit, but the ones that I, you know, identify the most with and I wanted to be around the most that seemed the coolest to me were the ones that were skipping class and, uh, yep. And just to, just to smoke weed and, uh, and party and, you know, do all kinds of stuff. And, and in high school I was, uh, I was really good at, uh, at baseball growing up, and then in high school I started wrestling, and I got really good at wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, one of one of the best in my weight class in Orange County at, at the time, and um, I was doing good. But you know, by the time my junior year came around, I had missed so many classes that uh, it, they they pulled me in the office, and they're like, "All right, here's what it is. You have." you know, 60 something demerits and you get a demerit from, if you get a, if you miss, if you skip a class, you get a detention. If you get three detentions and you don't serve them, then you get a demerit. I had 60 something demerits. So that's wow. like a lot of classes. Yeah. <laughs> class and um, so I started going to, um, you know, another school. It was like an alternative education thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, I always, I remember always having this feeling like everything's going to pan out, like everything's going to be fine. Um, I don't know if it was entitlement because, you know, I, I wasn't, um, 
didn't come from, you know, money growing up, you mm-hmm. know, especially, my, you know, we live pretty modest life, but I always felt entitled and I always felt that everything was going to work itself out and that I really wouldn't have to face consequences. Yeah. Um, and, and I did my best at, at manipulating and, and using people to make sure that I didn't really face too many consequences. I remember I was going to, um, alternative school and I even couldn't even show up for that consistently. So they switched me to independent studies and I was going one day a week, um, and, and filling out a packet and then going home and my mom worked long hours. She had, you know, just uh, put herself through school and, um, she was, uh, working as a nurse in California and she worked very long hours, uh, seven to seven shift. So my house was like the spot. Right. And, uh, I remember like all the guys would start coming and hanging out in, in my garage. And, uh, it was like the party spot where, mm-hmm. where it was like central hub for, for the, you know, the misfits and the kids that didn't want to go to school <laughs> and the yeah. kids that would come there that did go to school, they would come after school. And, um, my neighborhood got really known for, you know, just being a, a bunch of degenerates that partied way too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it progressed to to doing, you know, coke. And uh, even, you know, at, at 17, I was doing meth. Um, wow. That was, that was kind of a jump. Yeah. It was, um, it was just, you know, there was no real. Uh, We've heard that a lot from Southern California. Coke, yeah, it was, it, it was almost like, it, I don't think it was socially accepted at all by mm-hmm. any means, but, uh, but, but the kids that I was hanging out with, they seemed to justify it and it sounded good to me because, you know, nobody had any Coke and it's like, well, Hey, let's do meth, you know? And for some reason that made sense to me, yeah. you know, that's not uh, logical and that's not normal thinking, you know? But, um, but I was, I was, you know, 16, 17 years old doing meth in Southern California and, um, and like I said, my neighborhood was, uh, was getting hot and, you know, I started getting tickets and I remember I got my first DUI when I was 16 and I wasn't even driving. Damn. Um, wait, we how, just, how did that yeah, work? We were down. <laughs> so, so here's my, uh, you know, wanting the wanting the cool kids to like me moment. And, um, oh, I had dude. a friend that was, uh, he was, he was living with us because, uh, his mother had passed away and, and my mom's like, you know, was, uh, uh, the enabler that, that I was. And I'm like, Hey, my buddy has nowhere to stay. Can you stay with us? And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I guess he's a good kid. His mother just passed away. Why not? You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, he had a, a pretty good record and, you know, he was partying pretty hard and he looks back at me after we crashed into the car in front of us down at the beach, you know, we were all drinking in the car and, uh, he, you know, gets into a fender bender with the car in front and, and the cops pull up like, you know, two minutes later after we all get out of the car and he's like, dude, I have a warrant. Is there any way you could say you were driving? And here I am, you know, again, that same age, 16, uh, 17. I just drank a 40. I was a runt. Yeah. And like, I have that liquid courage. I'm feeling good. And I'm like, yeah, they won't know, you know, I'm, I'm fine. Of course, dude, I got you. And, uh, so the cop's like, who was driving? And I'm like, I was driving. And he's like, dude, you're drunk. And I'm like, how did you know? You know, it was like a mystery. <laughs> it was like a mystery to me. Yeah. Uh, so I get arrested and, 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 you know, I get booked for a DUI and taken to the police station. And um, next thing you know, my friend's mom and little sister come um, looking for where their son was. They came to the police station and, and the little sister happened to be uh, 
among the, the group that was in front of us, the ones we ran into, we knew them. Oh, shit. And, uh, and she says, why, why is KC here? I go by KC, by the way. Mm. Um, she says, why, why is KC here? You know, he wasn't driving. And the cop's like, what, what do you mean he wasn't driving? So he pulls me out. He's like, hey, you weren't driving? And I'm like, nah. And <laughs> so he's like, dude, that really sucks. Uh, I'm going to give you this ticket for, you know, um, what was it? Obstruction of justice. And oh. so... Oh, I got shit. put on probation for that. <laughs> and, um, and then, like, the, the cops would come to our neighborhood off, and I got three minor possessions of tobacco, another minor possession of alcohol. I, I swear to God, I, you know, they were we, – we were up to no good, and they were trying to get us for everything they could, you A know. tobacco um, charge? Damn. Uh, yeah, more than multiple tobacco. I don't remember if it was two or three. It could have been two and then the minor possession of alcohol on top of that. But it was definitely uh, a, a couple. Um, minor possession of tobacco. And I <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that was, you know, and, and um, it was sad, man. You know, I was uh, I was sneaking out of the house almost every night and um, and staying out, you know, crazy hours. I remember I would set up the, the bed. Um, the blanket on the bed, you know, with the lumps underneath it, oh, make yeah. it look like I was sleeping. I even had like a, I had like a, a rabbit fur that looked like the same color of my hair and a tan <laughs> shirt that I would put over a helmet with an, I would made a nose in it. You know, I was doing Jesus. that. So like, I, <laughs> I was, I was really into making sure it looked like me sleeping. Um, but I would, I would sneak out and I would come home at like seven in the morning right before because I knew when my mom's alarm was going off at 6.30 a.m., something like that. And I would sneak in and uh, and lay down in the bed. And, you know, it was almost like on a nightly basis I was out and, you know, I was I was getting strung out. It was it was pretty mm-hmm. bad. And at that point, I wasn't uh, I wasn't doing much along the lines of, uh, you know, socializing um, in any normal sense of the word. You know, I already passed the phase of like you know high school parties and we would go occasionally but you know having having like a like that normal high school experience was kind of out the window uh, mm. pretty early on because i was just you know i was like wow this is amazing i want to get messed up i want to get fucked up constantly you know and uh so i did and i lived however i wanted to live without fear of consequence and i wasn't going to uh i was supposed to be doing this work program where um where you go on uh, Saturday and Sunday to the courthouse with a bunch of other juvenile delinquents. And so <laughs> it would take us to place like they would take us to the, to the dump to pick up garbage and move it to another <laughs> dump. What? And I still to this day, I don't see the point of it except for like, Hey, we're disappointing these kids, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, you weren't allowed to talk to anybody. If you did, you got like a reduced score for the day. And if you got three marks then you had to redo that day, I couldn't even stick with, you know, the few that I had to do. And uh, I ended up violating probation and then I violated probation again. And um, it it came to a point where I was turning 18 and my mother had just moved back to Connecticut because that was her plan. When her youngest graduated high school, she was going back. And, you know, and I was like, no, I'm going to stay in California, mom. I'm, you know, I'm going to get my shit together and I'm going to be fine, but I love it out here. I'm staying out here. Yeah. So I have a court date and the judge is like, judge is like, well, you've, you violated probation uh, twice. And, um, you know, it doesn't seem like much is, is working for you. Uh, you know, I'm going to postpone for whatever reason they were postponing our court date for like another 
months, but she's like, at that point, I'm going to be recommending um, eight months uh, of jail. And I was like, holy shit, that's, that's a long time, you know? In my mind, you know, that sucks. That's yeah. eight months in jail. And, yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah. wow, real consequences. Holy shit. So uh, uh, this is when the public defender pulled me aside and he's like, hey, listen, I know your mom moved to Connecticut. If you were to go out there, you just have a bunch of juvenile misdemeanors. You don't have any, like, felonies, so this would go away when you turn 21. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm like, oh, no Connecticut sounds awesome. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Connecticut sounds great. This is a fresh start for me. It's going to be amazing. Um, and, you know, of course, I take the easy way out, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't have to didn't have to face that consequence. And, you know... I, again, it was living off of mom. I had that, that geographic change and a fresh start, you know, and I was like, I, you know, I know some people in Connecticut cause I would visit every summer, you know, and I knew some good people out here and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I convinced myself that, you know, I'm just going to be a normal kid that, that drinks and smokes weed. And, um, you know, it, it worked out like that. And until I found, you know, kids that partied a little harder and then kids that partied a little harder. And then I found a, group of people that I fit in with and I was like wow this is cool you know mm-hmm. um you know I found people that do the same thing as me so it, it doesn't look as bad you know it doesn't yeah. uh, it doesn't feel as bad to me mm-hmm. uh, to party on a daily basis you know whether it was drinking every day or smoking weed every day I hadn't started into the pills yet um but I did um I got into a relationship that lasted about five years uh mm. when I was um 18 and it was another, you know, it, it, honestly, it was another person that I could live off of, you know. Yeah. I didn't want to take responsibility for anything in my life. I didn't want to, to to really work hard to do anything, you know. I would hold down jobs here and there. I delivered pizzas, you know. I would, uh, that's like the longest job I held down for four years, delivering mm-hmm. pizzas. You know why? Because I could do it and and sell drugs to yeah. support my habit. Oh, you know, yeah. it was an easy job to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I lived off of her, um, lived with her in her apartment and, uh, just basically take, take, take. That's like the common theme of, of me in active addiction is take, 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 you know, don't worry about the consequences, do whatever, whenever. And you know, that's, that's a, that's a rundown of, of how it went. Yeah. Um, I, I would say I started the, um, uh, it progressed from daily pill use and, and, you know, selling, uh, a lot of Percocets on a daily basis to, uh, not being able to keep up and I was using too much. And, uh, you know, I, I was still drinking every day and, and I started looking into cheaper opiate alternatives and, mm-hmm. you know, I got into heroin, you know, and that was, that was like the next step of, of that for me and um you know she finally got smart and left me and uh yeah i got into another relationship tried living off of her she left you know uh, my my life's starting to get a little worse here Mm. so um i was living in a an apartment a one-bedroom apartment that uh was pretty run down and not the best neighborhood and yeah there's some there's some rough there's some rough parts at new haven Oh, there definitely. There's some. There's some cities that are uh, that are that aren't the best. I guess it's like that in every state, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but I remember being in this apartment, and uh, 
I, the, the, I was on my way to being evicted. I was uh, without power, without heat, you know, electricity, and it's the middle of the winter, and I'm running an extension cord to my uh, neighbor's house so that I could power a space heater, a lamp, and my TV and DVD player. Hmm. And, and it's like the same DVD on replay, on, on repeat, you know, because most of the time I'm withdrawing and sick and, you know, waiting to get a few bucks so that I could, you know, go get a, a couple drinks or, you know, get something to, to you know, heroin, pills, it didn't matter. You know? I almost want to know what, um, what, I want to know what movie it was. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know what? And I saw it recently, like in the last couple of years, I saw it. I was like, well, that looks familiar. I know that movie really well. How? I, <laughs> I can't think of it right now. Um, but there was, uh, there was like three or four of them. Oh, that's it. That's a really good question. I'm going to see mm-hmm. if I can, uh, if, if it, if it jogs up in my memory. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. That's going to drive me crazy. I know. <laughs> I hate you, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to drive me crazy. Now I'm going to be like, what movie was it? What um, fucking movie so, was that? No, I, yeah, exactly. I was, um, no, so yeah, so I was, you know, in there with the space, and I'm like, <laughs> that's when I, like, the the wheels started turning, and like I said, I went to treatment in the span of all that stuff going on in California, and I didn't learn. I went 28 days inpatient. I got out that night, and I was like, I'll be able to maintain. I'll be able to manage. I learned some stuff about myself. I learned some stuff about addiction, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't apply to me. Right. Like I was like, nah, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember sitting there in this apartment, I'm probably 24, 25, I don't know, years old, early twenties and thinking like, wow, there's gotta be something better than this out there for me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's when my parents, you know, I was, I was using them and lying and manipulating to them to get money as well as, you know, scheming and, you know, stealing from stores. And I had a bunch of hustles going on and, oh, you yeah. know, weird shit to get money. Um, but, uh, you know, they had cut me off. They, they knew what was going on and they found a, 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 a group that, uh, that kind of helped them to not enable me, you mm-hmm. know, for them to just be like, no, we're not helping you, dude. You're fucking your life up when you're ready to get help. Call us, you know? Um, we're not here to support you, you know, we'll love you, but that's, you know, don't ask us for anything, you know, yeah. and, uh, and that, that, that helped as well, you know, and, uh, that's a tough thing because I get people that reach out to me a lot, you know, about family members and, and kids, um, that are, that are fucking up. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. you know, I can't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you what to do, but my experience is that my parents cut me off, you know, and, uh, and it, and it helped immensely. They didn't let me live with them. They wouldn't mm-hmm. let me stay with them. They wouldn't give me money. And that's that, you know, and that helped. Um, and that's just my experience. Yeah. So, um, going back, that's when I, you know, I started that cycle back, mm-hmm. back and forth to treatment. So I went, I went to treatment. I, uh, I went for 12 days that time and I remember thinking after 12 days, I'm like, wow, physically I'm fine. You know, I, I, I feel okay. I'm, I'm through the withdrawals. I'm through, you know, the tough part. So I'm going to leave now. And I left and, uh, that very day I was getting high again. I was drinking again. Um, I ended up couch surfing for the next six months Mm. and, uh, until I went, I went back again for, uh, 45 days this time. And after the 45 days, I said, you know what? The, the, the pills are no good, especially the heroin's not good. 
Coke's probably not that great, but I can drink. <laughs> you know, I, I'll be able to drink. You know, it's, it's always my oh, way. Oh, yeah. To, it's that rationalization. Um, oh, absolutely. So, you know, I I remember, and I, so I drink very alcoholically, you know, it turns out, um, when I'm just drinking, you know. And, um, I, you know, that, that ended with a fight with a sober house manager and, you know, the cops and me getting arrested. And, you know, it just got oh, really yeah. ugly. Um, and I tried moving again. I'm like, ah, maybe it's this place. I moved to upstate New York for, you know, close to a year. And, uh, and that didn't work out, you know, up there I'm, I'm doing a lot of Coke. I'm smoking it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, no matter where I went or what I tried to finesse or figure out and do things, you know, differently, um, I always ended up back in the same boat, not being able to hold down, you know, a job, not being able to maintain a relationship, mm -hmm. um, not being able to take care of myself and not being able to handle responsibilities and living off of everybody and using everybody. Same stuff over and over again. Oh yeah. Um, so I remember I had a moment where I, uh, I had some clarity. I went to a treatment center and then I moved down to Florida and I'm like, this is the ultimate geographic shift. Like I'm in sunny mm -hmm. South Florida now things are great. You know, I was, uh, I was, I was going to, uh, to meetings and getting a little bit involved. I had some, you know, a, a little bit of a network of people in recovery. And, um, but then I, you know, I found beach volleyball and, uh, and then I got, I hit that, that's it. And I found a girl and I got a car and I got a job and, um, nice. And I'm like, wow, thanks, you guys. I really learned a lot from you, but I'm, I'm certain I'm not going to drink or use drugs again. So, you know, thanks for, for all your help, you know, all friends in recovery. But um, I got it from here. You're just going to beach, you're just gonna um, beach volleyball it in southern Florida. I got, I got beach. Yeah, I was working a program of beach volleyball in southern Florida. Full, and, uh, full Tom Cruise, Top Gun in it, South Florida. <laughs> Love it. That'll, yeah. that'll keep me clean. Me and Goose. <laughs> yeah, that was it. It went uh, beach volleyball, uh, apartment, car, girlfriend, relapse. Um, oh, yeah. So you know, I wasn't I wasn't growing, man, and I wasn't giving back. I wasn't helping. Oh. Um, I wasn't helping anybody. I wasn't growing spiritually. I, I wasn't doing the things that uh, that I had done in the beginning. And, and you know, I started having these thoughts. Like, man, I really want to get fucked up. And I was yeah. like, Whoa, where did that come from? You know, mm -hmm. I didn't know what the what what this mental obsession looked like. Um, and I didn't even know how to explain anything, you know, and then I started, I started talking to my girlfriend about it because I knew that I could convince her and she would enable me and she would do it with me, you know, and, uh, some, you know, that, that sickness, I want somebody to be with me throughout this, you know, I want somebody that I can depend on. And I heard you talking to another, uh, podcast uh, about codependency and you know oh, and, I knew, I knew and it worked. Uh, he, was, he was sitting over here is hearing that like codependency <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was man and I, I always had to, to um to live off of somebody and I always had I saw uh, I spoke on codependency not too long ago and mm -hmm. I saw a definition for it that was that real that I really liked because uh, um codependency and like the the normal sense of the word, yeah, I, I miss, I meet some of the characteristics, but when I see the definition, uh, uh, relationship addiction, I saw that definition for it and I was like, oh yeah, I'm codependent as fuck, yeah. you know, but, but like, I always needed somebody to, to have next to me, you know, oh, yeah. um, 
so that I, I almost, it, it was almost like an accountability thing. Like yeah. I, I, I didn't want to be accountable for anything. And I, mm-hmm. I did, I, like I said earlier, I always felt entitled, you know, and, uh, and it was the ultimate way is to have somebody there that can, you know, help. And, and it's like the, the sickest place to be in, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's when I went out, man, in Florida, and things got very, very bad. You know, over the next mm-hmm. nine months, I almost died a couple times, and uh, you know, and running very elaborate schemes, and uh, just very, very sketchy stuff. You oh, know, yeah. um, it, it got really, really dark, and it got to a place where you know, um, I, I, it got to a place where. It, it, it was a place that I would never imagine myself being, you know, not in a million years and um, oh, yeah. allowing things to happen that I would never think would happen. And, you know, when I, I didn't make a decision that I wanted to, to get clean um, when I went to detox. And I remember going into detox because I was at a place where it's like, I, I was just so fed up and so exhausted and so mm-hmm. disgusted in myself. And I'm like, so, you know, something's got to change. I had that feeling again, like something's got to change. And, um, and I went to detox and then they whisked us away to treatment and I didn't even have insurance. I was with this girl and I was piggybacking off of her insurance. They do that at some places like, you know, they're making enough off of one person to allow them. They scholarshiped me based on her going, um, oh, shit. and yeah, it's, there's, they got a lot of stuff going on in South Florida, oh, um, but we're not going to talk about <laughs> stuff like you know because there's some great places that's a whole that's a whole Um, other podcast (laughs) yeah yeah that's an entire podcast yes yes um but so i i went to detox and and, you know they whisked us away to treatment without even like an option i just knew that like i needed to go to detox because I, i i hit that that place where like it's like man i i I can't picture myself sober, but I can't picture myself getting high anymore. You know, mm-hmm. drinking on a daily basis. I just, I don't know where I'm at. Like it, it feels like purgatory, right? Like I, don't, I just don't know what's going on yep. and I need something different. I need, I need to change. So I went to detox and uh, I remember they drove us to the treatment center. It was two hour drive. And this guy that drove us, he probably saved my life, man. Cause like when, when they drove from the detox to the treatment center, they passed the flop house that we were staying at where my car was, you know, a sketchy house where they let you, you know, get high. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, I, and I remember passing the town, it was Boynton Beach, and I'm screaming at the guy, like, I got to fucking pee. Let me out of the car right now, you know, like a like an entitled dickhead. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like threatening this dude, like, I'm going to pee on you. Like, I'm going to piss <laughs> on your face, you know? And like, and like, I'm like, just pull the fucking car over. And he's like, nope, go ahead, man, whip it out. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wow, I would have stopped if I was him, you know? Yeah. But, um, it, it was, uh, it was amazing that he didn't. And that guy, you know, I say, like, I give that guy props. Mm-hmm. He put up with, uh, I'm sure, you know, he puts up with a lot of shit. But um, he drove us there. And I remember it wasn't until, like, I was there for uh, about four days. And, and my head started clearing out a little bit. And uh, first thing, I was like, like, I'm sitting with a group of guys. Um, and, you know, the sun's going down. It's a beautiful Fort Lauderdale, South Florida. And, um, and, and I'm sitting there having a conversation with a few guys. And, and I don't even remember the topic of the conversation. But I remember just looking up. And like 
and just thinking like, holy shit, like I, like I can do this. Like I, there, yeah. it is possible. And, you know, cause what, cause we had seen guys, you know, the, the first couple of days they had, they had speakers almost every night come in and I'm like, wow, this guy's cool. He's young he's been sober for a few years. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, like he's like living, he looks happy. He looks genuine, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sitting there with these guys and it, like the thought occurs to me, like, I can do this. Like I, I, I am able to, to make changes. I just, and that instead of my whole life, I'm thinking, damn, something, I have to change something. I have to say, change something like the thought just like, it struck me. It's like, wow, dude, I got to fucking change everything, you yeah. know? Um, and that's when I started having that, that shift. It was really like early on and I hit the ground running, you know? And, uh, and then like the next day I found that girl and I was like, Hey, uh, we got to break up. Mm-hmm. And she, she's like, what? I'm like, this is a fucking sick relationship. This is super unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and she's like, all right, well, okay, I'm going to move back to New Jersey. And, and she did like, I mean, and I hear from her every now and again, and she's doing great, man. And she found, you know, she found the church and she's, you know, she's, as far as I know, doing great. And, you know, shout out to her, but shout out to that treatment center. Cause I didn't have insurance and they kept me there the rest of the time, you know? And, um, nice. And when I, when I got out of there, I hit the ground running and, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm taking my time here. Sorry guys. What, no, you're good. how much time do I have? You got, right. <laughs> you got about five, five minutes or so. You're good. We're telling stories. All right. So, um, uh, I was down in Florida, moved to Delray for a little bit and then, okay, this, at this point, this is when I decided to move back to Connecticut, um, because I, I got busy, you know, and um, I, I got engaged and started working a program of action and I got this sponsor and I'm, I'm, I'm doing steps and, um, and I got the call um, that my uncle was, was dying and I knew he had cancer and uh, I got the call that he had, you know, two to four weeks left and he was coming home. And I was, I was full blown, like my intentions were a hundred percent I would say to the best of my ability reversed, you know, and I was like, Oh shit, how can I help? You know? And, um, and I asked like, Hey, can I, can I come up and, and, you know, help? And like, I was, I was at the the part where like, I wanted to, you know, make amends to my family and, you know, a living amends and they hadn't seen me in a few years. And, Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to come up and, and be, be helpful to my family. And I came up and, you know, and he came home and he was actually, uh, sober himself for, you know, he was on and off for so many years, but, um, he came home that first night and I stayed up with him through the entire night. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years and we talked through the entire night and yeah. he was downstairs in his hospital bed. And I remember the next morning, uh, I was like, wow, he's on his way out. And I, I went and got my aunt and, you know, he was really labored breathing and the whole family got there and just as he had seven brothers and sisters, my dad's the oldest of seven as everyone got there, he, he like passed away and I'm like, holy shit. Like the, and it it was unbelievable like that, that I, I had the opportunity to, to have this amazing, you know, hours long conversation with him Mm -hmm. before he passed away. And then once he did pass away, it was like, all right, not, not poor me. Cause every time I've had uh, somebody in the, in the close to me in the past die, it's like, fuck my friend died. Fuck my, Mm-hmm. You know, my, my grandma died, you know, poor me. It was like, all right, how can I be a service to my family right now? How can I be helpful to my family? And, and, nice. and that was really like, I, I would say that's the common theme for like my, you know, 
my recovery in general is like my entire life was take, 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 but now like the, the thought of others and, and trying to be helpful to others is, is really what drives me, you know? Um, and it, it's what needs to drive me, um, in order, in my opinion or my experience in order for me to maintain, um, my, my recovery. But my, uh, that's when I made the decision to move up. You know, I'm like, my niece is getting old. My folks are getting old. I need to come back to Connecticut. And, uh, and I hit the ground running, man. Like I said, I got active. I got a good um, network of people around here. And uh, I've been trying to do the deal ever since. You know, I got, um, I start, I remember I started uh, posting these uh, uh, raps, man. Like, so mm-hmm. I would rap and, and, and I posted it in, uh, it was me like in a parking garage. And I remember like I got like a, something like a thousand views on it. And I was like, oh man. Yeah. I'm going to be famous, you know, I posted it on Facebook, you know, but like, that was like, cool. Like some people, I, like I read some comments and I'm like, damn, like I have so much to get off my chest. I just got sober. You know, I used to be really, uh, uh, good at it. Like when at parties and I would yeah. freestyle and do stuff at parties, like growing up. But that's when I just really started pouring it out when I first got sober. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this whole, this whole, journey has just led to to uh, a lot of growth in the in the last couple of years and now it's like this is what i do full-time I, I actually just uh worked my last two days two weeks ago at a normal job and i'm, I'm full-time music full-time in the studio that's awesome. uh, i'm gonna be uh in a few different states this summer uh we're gonna it, it's it's really cool man and uh and we released this song called sober that uh i think i that's the one i sent you guys oh, yeah and um and it's just been a it's been a journey, man, and uh, it's been unbelievable. And hopefully, uh, it continues that way as long as I keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, man, awesome. That was awesome. All right, um, we got some questions for you. You started the last one. You got you got the first question last time. Okay, the last one. Da, da, da. All right, we'll go with that. All right, so you talked about how, like, you went, you were doing sort of like the the treatment center shuffle for a while, and like even through your like your first few, you would go and you would. But your first one, you said you you got through the twenty eight days successfully. You and you got out, and you like decided it wasn't for you. So how how was it um, over time? Sort of like getting honest with yourself that like you did have a problem and then like that final time in treatment really like letting that sink in that you were an addict and you needed to be in recovery. I mean, for, for me, it was like, I, I I would say that there wasn't, (laughs) there wasn't like that, that final time. Cause each time that I went to it, I, I wanted to do it my way. Cause I, I always knew like I needed to change something, right? Like I, I can't continue to live like this, but I always thought it was like a, a timeout on my life and maybe I would get some tools, but at least I would get to get away from my current situation mm-hmm. and, and, and be in this environment of other people that are, you know, abstinent from mood and mind altering substances for 30 days, you know? Yeah. Um, but then each time I would come out, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to do it. And here's how, you know, and, yeah. uh, it was always my way and it was, it, it never really panned out. And it wasn't until that, this last time where I was like, okay, maybe, um, maybe I need to, uh, 
to actually take suggestions from people that have been where I've been instead of being like, no, I, I think I could figure this out on my own. Mm-hmm. All right. So I don't know that it was like a, a catalyst except for, you know, the last time I was in there. It just kind of hit me. Yeah. It just kind of finally clicked. Um, all right. I gotta, yeah. Yeah. I got to piggyback off that one. Um, so you like clearly you did like the ge- the geographical changes several times. And like we've all heard that in a whole bunch of people's stories. But like always the common thread there is wherever we go, that's where we are. And we, we bring we bring our addiction with us. Um, so um, again, like how how was it really like trying to like accept that like the places weren't necessarily the problem or the drugs weren't the problem because you also talked about like substituting this for that like this drug is bad this one might be not so bad um, but really like saying that like you know maybe the the problem centers with me and so does the solution. And like the, the drugs weren't the problem I was. That's what, and and that that was kind of like some apprehension that, you know, Mm -hmm. my mother had when, when I was uh, about to make the move back to Connecticut from Florida. Cause she's like, you know, you you did a lot of bad stuff here in Connecticut. And, and, And like I said, it didn't really click until, this last time. So that my response to that was, yeah, I did a lot of drugs here in Florida too. You know, if we started eliminating places where mm-hmm. I've done drugs, you know, I, I don't know where I would move. Um, but it, that, that was exactly it. I was like, you know, it, it's not, um, where I'm at. It's, it's who I am and, and what actions I'm taking, exactly. um, you know, on a daily basis. All right. What you got, Eric? Um, so I guess you were talking about codependency, and uh, I, I knew it. Fucking knew you were gonna go into it. Of course, my ass <laughs> about codependency. Always, I, I, always, always yeah. Um, so I guess you know what are you doing now to, you know, kind of make sure that you don't fall back into the same patterns of dependency on people, or um, compared to what you were doing when you were, you know, in active addiction, and even I've seen you know something with a lot of people where, you know, um, or I'll even just take myself, for example, like when I was in active addiction, I had a girlfriend of five years who was always trying to fix me. And I was always like, I needed, I was in a very similar situation to you. Um, but then when I got clean, I became a fixer. So, you know, what are you doing to make sure that the patterns of codependency don't continue in recovery? Uh, <laughs> trying to take the best inventory I can of, of how I'm acting out, man. Uh, you know, like it, it really. Uh, I um, I remember there was probably, and and it may not seem like a lot, but uh, it was a lot. It was a long time for me. There was a nine month period that I took. Um, that that in which after I wrote these uh these these sex ideals, and I took a big look at myself, and and I took a look. In, in somebody else and it's like wow um, you know I have this list of, in front of me of, of what I want out of somebody else and and you know somebody pointed out to me that you know I, I can't have that stuff unless I, I'm everything on that list or you know mm-hmm. the best of my ability right um, so I, I took a, a break from, from relationships and sex and uh, and really tried to focus on you know um, living out those those ideals and and doing the best I could. And, uh, and I, I just try to check myself as, as often as I can. Um, 
you know, and, and see where I'm at and check in with, uh, with HP, you know, God and, and I, I do the best I can, you know, and I am in a relationship right now where it is, uh, I would say, you know, by far leaps and bounds, you know, the, the healthiest thing I've ever, um, been a part of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we, you know, we've been together for a year and I don't think we've had one like real fight, which is, uh, something I've never <laughs> experienced, yeah. you know, and it, it, it's, it's, I think it takes work on, on both ends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got another one? Or got, I, yeah, sure. I okay. Go ahead. Um, so, okay, here, here's something I've, I kind of noticed more from the show Intervention than anything else. <laughs> and uh, since you are a East Coast, West Coast dweller, um, and you, you even brought it up with your using in California being, like, meth-based, and then, like, you moved to Connecticut, and then heroin's involved, and it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, is there a different using culture? from your West Coast days compared to your East Coast days and then even, like, your Florida days? Like, is there a different, you know... I mean, just being from Baltimore, there's just, like, a certain, you know, thing to expect from Baltimore. But is there, like, you know, is there a different... Yeah, is there a different, (laughs) like, using slash drug culture in each of those places? Um... Um, yeah, that's a tough question. I, I would say, it, again, with the with the geographic, there's definitely a different culture. I would say my my actions and behaviors were very similar mm-hmm. in, uh, wherever I was. Um, I, you know, I, I I would definitely say uh, uh, Florida would take the cake as far as uh, the the grittiest environment I've ever ran in. Um, mm. You know, I lived in Orlando for a few months and um, when we were leaving Orlando and like, wow, like Sunshine State, like it's supposed to be like the home of the happiest place on earth. But I would say that Orlando is, is by far the, the, the scariest place I've ever lived. Uh, the the wow. city is, um, it's it, like I, I'm I'm very fortunate to 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 have left there in one piece, especially with a with a young girl who was attractive um, with me, and uh, you know where we were running, and especially when we were you know homeless down there, um, it, it was getting to a place where if we didn't leave the day that we left, I, I would uh, I'd be very surprised if I wasn't dead, you know, and and not due to overdose, you know, it was just a, a very harsh environment. Wow. Huh. Like always on your toes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really sketchy. Hmm. All right. Um, hmm. I have this. Uh, okay. I wrote something down, but I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote it down. So I'm just going to try and hash this out. Um, uh, fuck. I really want to know what you said. I really want to know what movie you were watching on fucking repeat. That's been oh, on my mind man. for like 20 <laughs> minutes. Fuck. Um, all right. So what I, what I wrote was like um, helping people help themselves. Um, I, I think you talked something about like uh, people – I think it was about uh, uh, your, your parents not enabling you and – uh, n- not really giving you like a- anything like they would be there when you were serious for the help 
And how much do you think recovery is not necessarily like giving people uh, like the necessarily like the answers like but helping them to figure out how to do things for themselves? Oh, man, uh, I, I would say that was a huge part for it, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the last time that I went to treatment, I called my mom and I was like, hey, I'm going into detox. And she's like, all right, good luck, you know. And like, I, I, you know, as opposed to 10 years before that, when I'm going to treatment, she's like, all right, we're going to go shopping and we're going to get you ready. And then like, you know, they, they or not mm-hmm. 10 years, but, uh, you know, five or six years before that, they would, you know, oh, you're going to this place and you're allowed to bring groceries. So let's go spend 200 bucks. You're going to treatment, like, woo woo, you know, let's yeah. get you a hotel room, you know. And it's like, it's it, the last time it was like, they were just, oh, okay, cool. Like where our hopes aren't up, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, them, I, I'm, I believe that, uh, that the, the last time that I saw my mom before I went to treatment was, was two years, mm-hmm. uh, two weeks rather, um, before I went to treatment, she came down to visit me in Florida cause she made a uh, cross country trip with the family. Then she flew to Florida to see me. And, um, and, the, the disconnect in, with somebody that I, you know, uh, my mother and I, like, I'm a mama's boy, right? So, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the disconnect, like, all right, so I wrote I wrote lyrics, and I have this song called Shot in the Dark, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the lyrics because I think it fits pretty perfectly, right? Okay. And it was like, and my mother, she paid me a visit while I was embracing the sickness. I'll never forget it. The last time I saw her was two years before that. I hate to relive it. As dead as I was on the inside, I channeled her energy. I couldn't help but feel hopeless inside of that moment. My tears started falling, and I just felt broken. She just looked older. She had no emotion. She looked right at me. Her face, it was frozen. I'll never forget what she said. I'll wait for the call that you're dead. And she told me she knows that it's probably the last time she'll ever be able to see me alive. And she left when she hugged me goodbye. It was so disconnected, and yet so was I. It was like there was was, was ice. It was cold as ice and uh she had nothing left you know and that was like that disconnect like from from my mother and and from my family in general you know it it was a huge i I believe now looking back that it was a driving force for me um and and if they hadn't you know back in my mid-20s if they hadn't said enough is enough dude we're not gonna you know enable you or, or you know be okay with even with you living your life like this. Like mm-hmm. don't really come around unless you're doing okay. Um, was a huge, it was huge for a huge part of my story. Nice. All right. What else you got, Eric? So, um, you know, being in the creative scenes, um, that can, that can be difficult at times. And I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, so I've, to give you, I guess, a little bit, like I'm, you know, I do a lot of creative stuff. So I actually relapsed, um, God, what was that? When I was in Chicago. Yeah, three, and then, three yeah, years. That was three, like four, four years ago. Yeah, that was yeah. like five years ago. What was that? that? Five years ago? Shit. No. 20, four years ago? Five years 2015. Ago. I don't fucking know. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, 2014, actually. Oh yeah. Um but that's, that's, anyway, anyway. Yeah, essentially, sorry about sorry. that. Um but uh like, you know, I was in the music scene, right, and there's a lot of drugs, there's a lot of alcohol. Time does not mm-hmm. function 
normally in the music scene, I've come to realize. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a little bit easier with like, you know, film and with like photography and other arts, but music is just a little fucking weird. Um, how do you manage kind of like the drugs and the drinking and the lifestyle that comes with being a part of the music scene? Uh, it, uh, we just got this question, uh, last week for, and, and the answer is, it's just that I try to keep as many people with me that are like-minded. <laughs> um, nice. so I, I do, I, I have, uh, I have a good group of friends. I got a pretty solid team, you know, and they, uh, and, uh, most of them are, are in recovery. The other ones are, you know, just aware. And there are plenty of venues that I perform at where, you know, uh, uh, more than, half the people will be drinking and there's a bar at the place and, you know, there's, a, there's other acts that are partying and, um, and it's just like knowing when, when it's time to go and, uh, and, yeah. you know, being, being spiritually fit to be in a, an environment like that and checking in with the people, you know, in my network and, and having those, those awesome people around me, um, has really been it. You know, I don't, I don't shy away, um, from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say anywhere, I mean, you know, I'm not going to shy away from, from a good opportunity uh, if, it, if it means that there's going to be drinking in the venue, you know, uh, yeah. because, you know, there, there really isn't a, a place that I feel I can't go. Like I was telling the guy at the podcast, I went up to Hartford and I was like, you know, that would be like me turning this down because I used to get drugs here. You know, um, I, I can't shy away. I can't try to shield myself from anywhere because, you know, like we said earlier, like I take myself wherever I go. I took my high self wherever I go. And now mm-hmm. I take my, see my sober, make my clean self wherever I go. Um, and I try to just, you know, do the things that I need to do on a daily basis to, to maintain a good headspace nice. going in. All right. That's, that's a perfect answer. Um, all right. I got a question. Uh, cause you made a little reference to the, to the HP. Um, yeah. How has your uh, spirituality grown or evolved or continue to evolve through recovery? Because I'm, I know, like when we're all in active addiction, like it's not really cool to like smoke meth before you go to church, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- tell me your 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 spiritual process and like how it's helped. Um, and I would say, you know, the. It really wasn't. It really wasn't hard for me to grasp this time around, like the whole concept of mm-hmm. uh, of God or like uh, or like a higher power, because you know somebody pointed out to me that uh, that like this is a program of action, right? So as long as I'm taking those actions on a daily basis, like one of those actions involves me praying and me trying to grow in this relationship with a mm-hmm. with a power greater than myself, right? Um, so, so I've just tried to, to grow in that. And, and, you know, when I pray, I try to pray for other people. Um, and I, I do my best at, at keeping that, that line open, that line of communication open. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I had, I had a good friend die a couple of years ago, almost two years ago. And, uh, he was one of my best friends and, I would say that was like something that was, it was huge in, in my interpretation of, of 
God and a higher power in the hereafter because there were some things that that happened right after you know his death that it, it almost made it like undeniable for me you know and mm-hmm. it, it was just my experience but it, it almost made it undeniable like wow there 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 is something out there and it's something great and um, and it was very you know in, in a time where you know, I just lost my best friend, you know, it, it, it gave me like peace. And there's like, I think there's, there's a, a certain sense of ease and comfort that comes with having faith, you yeah. know, that to com- combat that disease. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, having, having the faith does, it, it, it helps me live in the moment more and it helps me feel more comfortable in my own skin, you know, as well as taking those actions. Cause, um, I could pray all I want, but if I'm not taking actions and, and trying to, to help and give back, then it really doesn't mean much. All right. Uh, do you have one more, Eric? Uh, no, go ahead. You don't? Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I got to choose my last question. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Um, You're at the buzzer. I'm at the fucking buzzer. Jesus. Shooting a Hail Mary. <laughs> have, you, have you worked all 12 steps? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you only can choose one. Which one was your favorite? <laughs> like working it or? Working I mean, it like, or which one is my. Which one? Dude, you know what? I think I think the understanding of, of one is my favorite because that's when, when shit started to happen, man. When I was nice. oh, like, in my, all my, like my previous experiences made sense when somebody explained to me like the, 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 um, physical and mental aspect of it that like, yeah. you know, it, 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 my mind's wired a little bit different. Like the mind of an addict is wired, uh, wired a little bit different. That's why, uh, oh, yeah. you know, normal people have, have trouble understanding addiction because say they, they take their pain pills. Um, they can, they find it easier to draw back me. Like once the, once that, that, that physical craving is sparked, I find it very, very difficult to stop because that's how my brain is wired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I do stop, once shit gets heavy enough and I do stop, like the mental act, like I was down in Florida with seven months playing volleyball with a girlfriend and I was certain that I was never going to use again. But then this mental obsession seven or eight months later starts gradually kicking back in like, Hey dude, you know, it'd be really nice right now if we got fucked up, you know? And that's like a, that's the the other part of it. And without understanding that, I don't know that I would be clean today. You know. Yeah. Um, so I would say that 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 was huge um, for me. All right. Nice. Is that the first person who chose one? Nope. Really? Yep. Other people have chose one. Someone else has definitely chosen one. I don't know if I believe you. I I <laughs> I personally pick three. Eric picks ten. Yep. So far, I'm winning though. Well, yeah, good. I, I like ten. <laughs> I like three good. too, but that's yeah. great. They're yeah. all they're all good. There is what's great about that question is like there's no wrong answer. No, <laughs> no. As long as I don't say thirteen, you know. I mean, and even that one's not so bad. <laughs> it just it just depends on which end of the thirteen you're on, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's hundred percent. That's, that's yeah. terrible. Oh, uh, but um, yeah, I think we're we're all out of questions, man. Uh, so uh, this is our time to uh, thank you for coming on, man. Yeah. We appreciate it. Give him a golf clap, Eric. Dude, that's terrible. Yes, absolutely. 
There we go. Am I peeking? Not too much. Uh, no, no. no. Well, well, yes, actually. Okay, Definitely we peaked, peaked a little bit. All right. Um, no, but seriously, Kevin, thanks for coming on. Um, the plug. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is your time to uh, plug your music uh, with us. Tell us uh, what you're doing. Yeah, man. Um, uh, right now, I we have a few things lined up. I mean, you can find me on all social media. The initial KC makes music. Um, we just hit on Facebook, we just hit 2 million on the video for Sober, which is really cool. Nice. I'm super excited about that. But, That's uh, fucking awesome. We're going to be doing a, a, a few recovery events coming up, uh, one on the 18th in, in Wallingford, Connecticut, uh, oh. and then another one, um, that one's called uh, Recovery Block Party, and then there's one called Summerfest on Memorial Day, which there's some guys from Baltimore coming up, uh, uh, B-Rain and REM1. Oh, really? Um, those... Yeah, oh yeah. I know, I know both yeah, those guys. Those are some of my really good friends. Oh, dude, I, I I I talked to Brian just two days ago. Uh, but yeah, we're we're gonna be filming a video while he's up here. It's gonna be awesome. No oh, shit, that's um, right. And then wait, you got to do me a yeah, favor. Yeah. You got to do me a favor because he is he a couple times because of scheduling, but he's flaked on coming on podcast recovery three times. So you got to do oh. me a favor, get in his ear, <laughs> tell him. Get on fucking podcast recovery, B Rain. <laughs> Quit fucking around. Get on the podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna try to do it a hundred percent. I'll bring it up. But yeah, dude, I'll, yeah, he's just an awesome individual, man. I, I really vibe with the guy. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see him. That's uh that's later this month. That's Memorial Day. And then in June we're gonna be out in um where uh uh, uh oh my gosh. Where am I going? Oh, Louisville, Kentucky for Flow for Recovery. It's a big event nice. on the lake. Nice. And uh, that's that's going to be fun. The end of the summer, we're going to be in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for, uh, it's called Music Fest. That's just a big old regular music festival. Mm-hmm. The headliner for the day we're performing on the 4th, August 4th, is uh, Lady Antebellum's the headliner that day. Cool. That's going to be a fun day. But we got we got all kinds of great stuff, man, coming up. And uh and, and whoever's listening, you know, if you want to check out the music, it's, you can find it anywhere. Um, iTunes, Apple Music, Casey Makes Music. Uh, the song that, that really uh, has been, you know, getting a lot of great feedback is, is a song I made with Jordan Meyer. He's an unbelievably talented producer and musician and singer. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, uh, part, my partner at the studio, he owns a music studio that I bought into about nine months ago. And we got a lot of stuff in the works and he's an unbelievably awesome talented dude as well so shout out to jordan nice all right well uh, uh yeah absolutely that that's fucking awesome man like I, I love the video and anybody who's listening seriously go go check his shit out you have thumbs go type it into your google Boom. Yeah, no, <laughs> There's your fucking plug. So, so watch it on your phone yeah watch it on Is your that phone what you're saying <laughs> <You have> thumbs <laughs> Just Google me, bro. No. <laughs> hey, Google it, bro. And to yeah. the to, to, to our listeners out there that don't have thumbs, I apologize for offending you. There you go. Okay. I, co- yeah, co- no. I covered my bases there. All right. Um, yes. Here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, Kevin, thanks for coming on again. Um, Everybody, follow him on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, podcastrecovery.com, all your podcast apps. Check us out. 
keep spreading the message, keep spreading the love, keep spreading the hope, and most importantly, stay safe, stay sober, stay clean.